We're continuing in our series called Be the Message. Uh, we started last week, and remember, if you were here, we looked at um, how we can make an impact or make a difference by doing God's work in three arenas of our lives, where we live, where we work, where we play. And last week, we looked at how um, God has placed us in those arenas, not on accident, but really we've been placed there by God to live out the gospel so other people can discover who Jesus is. And so this week we're continuing with that. And really the essence of this series is about authentic Christianity. It's about authentic Christianity, living out the true gospel. We know that Christianity is called one of the world religions. And for unfortunately for many people around the world, they live out Christianity only as a religion. A, a list of do's and don'ts, things that they have to follow, stuff if they do the right things, God is happy with them. If they do the wrong stuff, God's not happy with them. And they live with that, that um, uh, expression of Christianity. But that's not the essence of true Christianity. We know uh, from looking at the scriptures that Jesus came so that we could have a relationship with the living God. That's why Jesus came. Not so we could live a list of do's and don'ts, though being a Christian, following Jesus will change our lives, right? So our behavior will change. We won't continue to do this stuff we used to do before we knew Jesus. But that list of rules and those do's and don'ts are not the point of all of it. It's just the outflow of a real relationship with the living God. And so we find in this, in this series, really, that's what we're looking at, guys, is just living out a relationship with Jesus. Not uh, just, um, the gospel isn't just a bunch of words. It's not just a description of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Though it is that. But really, it's an expression of God at work in each one of us through our lives. So we live in this world. As we live, people get to see the gospel lived out. And then they're going to get to hear it, Right? And so uh, St. Francis uh, of Assisi, he was uh, a priest back in the day when everyone was a part of the Catholic Church, because that's all there was. But he said this, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And I like that because uh, the gospel is words. Like I said, no one's going to come to know Jesus if they don't hear the gospel. How to have a relationship with God through the work of Jesus on the cross. It needs to be proclaimed. But first, for so many people, what they first need to see is someone living out the gospel. And so really, as we go through this series, the sermon begins when I get done talking. That's really when the sermon starts as we leave this place, go into the world, and live out the gospel through our daily lives. In this series, we're going to um, look at this, and I really, my prayer is that we all gain an understanding um, and discover what our life message is all about. I want us to figure out and discover that each one of us has a unique life message. It's unique to us. When we begin to follow Jesus, he begins to work in our lives. And, and we're unique. We're following the same Jesus, but we're unique. And so that expression looks a little different in all of us. If you have a Bible, you want to turn, into, uh, turn it to John, the Gospel of John chapter 1, or on your app on your phone, or you'll be able to follow along on the screen. But I want to read a passage from John chapter 1. It's really uh, a description of this, a little bit of a mystery about Jesus coming to the earth and what that accomplished. And so um, let's read this. Uh, you can follow along as I read, but it's, this is from John chapter 1. 
says this, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who do receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this moment in time where we can uh, hear from your word and hear from your heart that you want to reveal yourself to the world around us through each one of us. And Father, I pray that we might connect with your heart and your passion for those that don't know you. And more importantly, that we might connect to that unique expression of the gospel that each one of us gets to live out. God, I pray that you would move in us and speak to us this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this word gospel just means good news. That's what the word gospel means. Good news. It's good news, as John tells us, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And as uh, this passage talks about who the word is, we discover that the word referred to here is Jesus. He's the revelation of God. Jesus came to the earth to reveal to us who God is. See, back when God created mankind and put Adam and Eve in the garden, he would come and walk with them in the cool of the day. They got the opportunity to experience that close fellowship with God and literally walk and talk with him in close uh, relationship, in an intimate uh, expression of that. But we know because of the fall, Adam and Eve chose to sin and that relationship was fragmented. It was broken in a sense. It was uh, hurt and damaged. And so as human beings, our closeness to God has been affected. But Jesus came to the earth to walk on this earth to be uh, in human form God so that we could see him, so that we could interact with him, and so that we could um, get a better idea of who God is. And so um, it's amazing that Jesus, as he walked this earth and took on human form, he struggled with the things that we struggle with. He felt pain, right? He felt what it was like to be tempted and to struggle with making the right decision. We know the scriptures teach us that God cannot sin. It's impossible. And yet we know that Jesus, after he had taken on a human form, was uh, tempted. He went through the temptation. So this uh, word in the flesh, God in the flesh, walked among us and revealed to us who God is so that we could have a real restored relationship with him. Through this message, and really today I want to focus on this, that each of us, just as Jesus lived out who God is 
right? God in the flesh walking the earth so we could see who God is. In the same way, when Jesus comes into our life and we put our faith and trust in him, we, the, the scripture teaches that the spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us and transforms us. And we have an opportunity then to be the gospel, to live out the gospel to the world around us. It's really amazing that God's plan to reveal himself to the world largely comes through us. Like we're his plan A, right? I mean, us, uh, as we follow Jesus and live out the gospel, this is God's plan to change the world. And it was from the beginning. He, uh, you know, from the day of Pentecost, when the disciples and those in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to manifest that and do amazing things and begin to travel and spread the gospel around the world, God's plan has been just that. I'm going to use people to reveal myself to the world. And so today, when we look at what our life message is, that each one of us has a life message. It is our unique expression of Christ to the world. That's what our life message is. That each one of us, as we live out the gospel, though we're following the same Jesus, we're listening to the same scriptures, the same spirit lives in each one of us, and yet because we're unique, each one of us is different, the way that we live that out, the way that we express that to the world is different. It's an amazing thing. And uh, I want us to understand that and dig into it a little bit more this morning and discover how to see what our life message really is. And so the first thing that we've got to do this morning as we look at this, the first thing we've got to do is we discover our life message, discover uh, how it is that we're going to live out the gospel. The first thing that we need to do is we need to listen for the divine whisper. Listen for the divine whisper. It's interesting and sort of ironic that in order for us to hear from God, we first need to shut up. <laughs> we first need to be quiet. And when we quit talking... And using our own words, that that is when we can hear from God and begin to speak his words to other people. See, the goal isn't just that um, what's inside of us would come out constantly, but it's that we would be changed and transformed so that what God wants would come through us to others. And so, um, how do we do this? How do we listen for the divine whisper? Well, when I was in uh, going through seminary, I got the chance to do that a few years ago. And as I was going through... Um, it was a very busy time in my life. I was uh, going to school fairly full-time, taking a pretty good load. I was working uh, part-time, but it felt like full-time. And, uh, and then, of course, I had three kids and, and uh, my wife at home, a family. So I had all these responsibilities. And I'm, you know, I'm 37 and uh, 40 when I graduated, so I'm a little older. I have some of life figured out, you know, not all of it at that point, but a little bit more. And so I'm like, I can handle this. And, and so I'm moving through, and, you know, most days I'm out of the house before 6, and I'm home around, you know, close the store down that I worked at at 10, so I get home at maybe 11. So it was, it was a pretty fast pace. Um, that wasn't every day, but that was a lot of them. So I'm running on a treadmill. And there's not a lot of time that I have to slow down. Um, you know, I just went to school. Once I started, I did not stop until I graduated. I mean, I was in intercession. I was summer school, everything. I'm like, if I stop, I may not finish. So I just got to keep going. And so uh, that's what I did. But one of the things that we did when I was in school, I was a part of this little mentoring group with other students. And the guy that kind of led us and was overseeing it one day, he said, guys, we're going to go do a silent retreat. And so the plan was that he would take us to a monastery outside of Denver, a place that was quiet and silent where you weren't allowed to talk. And he said, we're going to spend a day there. 
And now we didn't get a full day, but we got a good chunk of the day. And so we went, and I just remember that the first, about the first hour that we were there, man, my mind was just, you know, I, there's a lot going on, and I'm trying to keep everything juggling and moving, and, and so uh, it didn't want to stop. And so I sat down, and it's quiet, and all I can hear is my brain going, and I was like, man, stop. You know, I want to, I want to spend some time with God, but it took about an hour. And then things started to slow down a little bit, and I got the opportunity to listen uh, and to quiet my mind and quiet my spirit. And it was powerful. It was powerful to spend some of that focused time just listening to God, reading some scripture. And, uh, you know, I'll admit that on a daily basis and a weekly basis, it can be difficult to slow down enough. We're all busy and we all have a lot going on. But it's important that we do this if we're going to hear from God. We've got to be listening. And what does God's voice sound like? How do we know that we're hearing from God? Well, there's a story in the scriptures about the prophet Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet during a difficult time. The nation of Israel had begun to worship the Baal, the false god Baal. And so there were priests in the nation of Israel representing Baal and moving the people towards worshiping him. And this was pagan worship. Uh, It was not honoring uh, to God at all. And there was a queen that the king of Israel, Ahab, had married, who was Jezebel, and she brought her religion to the nation of Israel and promoted it. And so the worship of God was on the decline. And there was a moment that Elijah was so uh, furious at what the nation of Israel was doing that he pressed in and attacked. And he said, I'm going to challenge the prophets of Baal to go on the top of Mount Carmel and let's find out who the real God is. And so he got him up there and he said, listen, we're both going to, we've got time. We're going to cry out to our God. And the God that sends fire from heaven is the real God. Now that's a bold, that's a bold statement. So Elijah prayed, God, please show up. man. I'm going to, I'm going to call down fire from heaven. Please show up. And uh, I don't know if you've ever done anything that if God doesn't show up, you look like a fool. But this was one of those moments. But Elijah was like, look, it's all on the line. I got to do it. And so he did. And amazingly, God did show up and he, uh, he sent fire from heaven and proved that he was the one true God. And so Elijah had this big victory. But Queen Jezebel was not convinced by this miracle. She still hated the God of the Bible, the one true God. And so she put uh, a price on Elijah's head. And so Elijah ran to the desert, scared, discouraged, exhausted. I can only imagine he was wiped out and it didn't work. And still uh, the enemy of God seemed to be in charge and in power. And so he finds himself in the desert and he is uh, kind of hiding out and God comes to him and God says, Elijah, what are you doing here, man? What are you doing? And in this moment, in this season where Elijah is struggling, he's weak, he's tired, he's fought, but he doesn't feel like he won and that did it do any good, all those questions that he had. It's interesting because he has an interaction with God that's really powerful and it can help us learn how to hear from God ourselves. In 1 Kings chapter 19, this is what it says. The Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. He said, I'm going to pass by, Elijah. Get outside. Here I come. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattering or shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And when the wind uh, and the wind or after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. 
I love that phrase. If you have your Bible out, maybe underline that. A gentle whisper. Sometimes we've got to quiet down and listen. Because God wants to whisper something to us. He wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to give us a word. But oftentimes the frantic pace of our lives don't really allow for us to hear him. We have these evil contraptions called smartphones that do not encourage intelligence at all. (laughs) Um, And they distract us from so much of life. There's constantly things going on in our lives. We've got TV, we've got all this entertainment, all this distraction. Um, And oftentimes we want to fill our lives with those things. Then we don't have to think about the things we're struggling with, the hurts, the pains. We don't have to look inside. And so we stay busy. But really, we need to quiet down with a focused, purpose, uh, purposeful intent of listening to God. There was this huge wind event. You know, they're calling weather events now, right? We're going to have a snow event, a wind event. When I was a kid, it was just a storm. I don't know. Somehow that changed. But, but hey, it's cool. But, um, <clears throat> but here's the deal. Elijah was on a mountain when this storm came. I've been in some wind that is extremely powerful. I've been in the mountains when the wind's blowing. I've been out. I think the wind can be more powerful out on the prairie at times. But I've been in strong wind. I've never been in wind strong enough to bust rocks apart and to blow the mountain apart. This was a powerful wind. I can only imagine how Elijah was hanging on to something, crawled underneath something just to hope that he didn't get blown off the mountain. But this is the event. But God wasn't in the wind. Then the fire came, right? An earthquake and fire. It's almost like the, you know, Motown band. Earth, wind, fire. You know, you might think he was in uh, California where there was earthquakes, winds, and fire. No, he was, he was not. But he was, uh, he was in this encounter with God and God was teaching him something. Elijah, listen, it's not in just the big things that God shows up. Sometimes we, we look for those big things. We're waiting for a big experience, a big time where we get to see God do something, or we're looking for an opportunity to do something big for God. But can I tell you something? That typically where God works most powerfully is in the small steps of obedience that we take. The times where we just go, okay, God. When I was back in school, I worked at Staples for a while, and I had a manager there. He was quite a bit younger than me, but we had a great uh, relationship. He was great to work for. And, you know, at times we would talk about God. He knew that I was in uh, seminary school, and then I, you know, was a pastor. And so we'd talk about God, but it never really went further than just a friendly conversation. You know, he was open to it because that's what I did and uh, <clears throat> that's who I was. And so he was friendly about it, but he was not open to any of it. And he made that clear in a, in a nice way, but it just wasn't going anywhere. Um, so I left that job, went to work in a church, um, a year before I graduated. And so I kind of left that and I was out of the, that, you know, friendship and working with him and my other coworkers. And it'd been several months, you know, um, and I was working in the church and Easter was coming. And of course, uh, our pastor said, Hey, listen, you know, maybe there's somebody you should invite to Easter. Uh, people that don't go to church any other time of the year might come to Easter and they can hear the gospel. And, and so I was like, yeah, I need to. And all of a sudden what pops in my head is my, um, my, my old manager. And I can tell you that I didn't just respond by, yeah, okay. I responded by, wow, that's going to be weird. I haven't talked to him in months. 
And now my, my only interaction is, hey, you want to come to church with me? I mean, that's not the kind of relationship I had with him, and it just seemed a little awkward. I wasn't confident with it. And so it took about a day, but God just wouldn't, he wouldn't let up. I mean, I just kept, I couldn't get uh, him out of my head. And so finally I was like, okay, um, I'm willing to look like a fool here. I don't know that this is going to be good. I don't know that it's going to be a great way to do it, but I just sent him, uh, you know, a message on Facebook, which I know is kind of weak sauce, but Hey, listen, I wasn't sure about it anyway. So I just thought this isn't going to go anywhere. So I just sent him the message, let it go. And pretty quickly I got a response back. He's like, sure, we'd love to come. I was like, I'm an idiot. I should have, I don't know why I was struggling with this. But anyway, uh, so he came and at the time, the church that I worked in had uh, a service that happened in the youth building, which was kind of like just a big rectangle room. They kind of used it for youth events. It had a stage and a sound system. And so we had a service. It was kind of an overflow room, but I was responsible to lead the people that met in there and kind of do it like a service. We just had the, you know, we had live worship and everything, but we had the sermon would be on a screen. And so people would see the same thing that they were, you know, the, everyone else was experiencing. And so this Easter, um, my old manager and his girlfriend and their daughter came to that service that I was leading. They came and sat in there. And so they were there and uh, the service goes through, the pastor preaches. And at the end of the service, he presents the gospel. And so it makes a role, uh, obviously a great presentation of the gospel and everything. And so my job after that was to just say, hey, if anybody's here today wants to put their trust in Jesus, you know, just lift your hand up. And so I had everyone bow their head and I was leading through that. And I asked the question, you know, if anybody here, is there anybody here today that would like uh, to put their trust in Jesus? And this will reflect my faith, the strength of my faith sometimes, but I wasn't really expecting anything necessarily. I mean, there's usually someone maybe in a room that size, but my old manager lifts his hand up. And I was like, man, I mean, I worked with him so long, you know, he was open to God, but he wasn't open. And then here he is and he makes this decision. And I thought, uh, this is incredible. And, and so, of course, I talked to him afterwards, and we maintained a relationship. He started to come uh, to church a little more often, and then we planted a church that was in the, the area where he lived. And so he and his girlfriend started coming to the church and their daughter. And uh, over time, I got to lead his girlfriend to Christ uh, as we were meeting in our home, talking about what it meant to be a Christian and what this church thing was all about. And then uh, eventually I got to perform a ceremony and marry the two of them, which was pretty exciting. And so they have, I think, three little girls now. They live in Kansas. and But here's my point, is that guys, sometimes the little, little things that we think are insignificant, that's not, that's not a big deal. It's not going to go anywhere. Those are the things, the steps of obedience, just to do what God's asking you to do. Even if it might make you look like a fool, even if you don't think it's going to work, just trust him, be obedient. God can use it. Um, we're going to do something starting tomorrow. And I kind of want to challenge you with this. Over the next 21 days, we want to, I want you to encourage you to take what we're just calling the, the 21 challenge. And this is what we're going to do. Set aside 21 minutes of each and every day to try to practice this uh, discipline of solitude. Just give God that time and say, listen, for 21 minutes out of my day, I'm just going to sit quietly and try to listen to your voice. And uh, the Gospel of John has 21 chapters. So read one chapter each day for the next 21 days and just see what God does. Practice this. As we learn to listen for God's voice, we begin to hear him even when we're not silent. 
right? As we're moving through our day, he's given us directions. He's pointing us where we need to go. And we begin to hear him when we tune into his voice. But to begin that, let's practice some silence and solitude. James 1.19 says this, kind of a famous verse. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Maybe your mom said like my mom did, you know, you have two ears and one mouth, so you can listen twice and talk once, which was very difficult for me, <clears throat> but I tried to listen. Then there was this old uh, rhyme or poem, I don't remember what it was, but I remember hearing it as a kid, and it, it talks to this issue of listening and hearing, and this is what it says. When they gave out brains, I thought they, I thought they said trains, and I missed mine. You guys heard this one? When they passed out looks, I thought, they, I thought they said books, and I said I didn't want any. When they passed out noses, I thought they said roses, so I ordered a big red one. When they gave out chins, I thought they said gins, and I ordered a double. Boy, am I a mess. <laughs> the word silent has the same letters in it as the word listen. It speaks volumes when you and I take the time to listen. Listen to God. Listen to the others around us that need someone to listen. They need to be heard. Maybe at work, take the time to listen. You guys don't know how much that says to others when we just stop a minute and really show an interest. At home, maybe we need to listen a little bit more. I might get a complaint or two about that in my home. Listen. Be present and be willing to engage. Don't just hear what is being said, but connect with it. The second thing that we need to do, listen for the divine whisper. Secondly, we need to recognize our sacred shout. Recognize your sacred shout. Um, it's funny how as we begin to align our life with Jesus, that listening to the whisper of God, listening for his voice, he begins to give us direction. And a lot of times, this is what it looks like. C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Isn't it interesting that a lot of times, until we're under some pain, we don't turn to God. Until things are being ratcheted down and we start to go, ah, this hurts, that all of a sudden we open up to hear from God and we want to talk to him and we want some help from him. And this is common. Sometimes we think of it as kind of being sad, but it's reality. It's how it works for most of us. And the truth is that it's how it works for most people in our world. God does shout through our pain. And those of us that find him and look for him and seek him and want to follow him, we find that he is there for us in the midst of our most difficult hours in our life. That God really does care. He really does want to walk with us. Sometimes we walk through those seasons and we wonder where he's at because we don't feel his presence. But when we look back, we realize that he was really just carrying us. That's the only way we made it through, right? It's the only way we got uh, to our destination and continued to be on, uh, in, this, uh, in this space is that God was carrying us and helping us through it. And our pain, our struggles, the things that we go through in this life that are difficult become the way in which we can connect with others to bring help and to bring life and to bring hope. 
Uh, John 1.14 says, the word became flesh. Jesus took on a body and he struggled with the things we struggle with. And I want to encourage you that maybe instead of hiding our weaknesses, our failures, the areas in our life that we're kind of embarrassed of and we want to tuck those away and hopefully no one will see them, that those really become the arenas in our life where we can be of help to others. Oftentimes it's that stuff. It's the stuff that's messy that we really don't want anybody to know about. Those are the areas where God meets us and heals us and brings us through. And those can be the, the platforms or the launching pad to help other people with the same things. See, the scriptures say that we are the trophies of God's grace. God has a trophy room, and those of us that come to Jesus are in there as a trophy to what he's done, what the death of Jesus on the cross did, so that we could find him, we could be forgiven, we could be restored in a right relationship, we could be made new. We're trophies to his grace, and the things that we want to hide maybe are the things that we should say, look what God did. You know, Paul said that he gloried, he reveled in his weakness, because where he was weak, then God was strong. And so God picked up the pieces, put him together, and used him to impact the world in a huge way. Because he wasn't afraid to say, this is where I came from. This is where I'm going. This is what I've been through. Many times our mess, as God puts it back together, cleans it up, changes our life, it becomes our best opportunity to be the message, to encourage others. In our church, and over the years, I've seen many ministries that were started by people that went through a difficult, tough time in life. And it was through that struggle, whether it was a sin struggle and a failure, whether it was um, physical illness and struggle, whether it was uh, something associated with their life, a difficult season, that they allowed God to heal them and bring them through it, and then they allowed him to use it to become a way to help others. Here in our church, we have a ministry for uh, families with special needs. And so on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings upstairs in the children's area, there are classes uh, and there's a, a way for parents with special needs kids to have their kids ministered to as they're here. So they can hear about Jesus and they can experience him and have a great time at church as well. Because kids with special needs aren't the same as other kids. They have some unique struggles. And so they need special attention. They need things to be set up to accommodate who they are and what they're struggling with. And so we have a family, um, Michael and Keisha Martinez, that have done this. They've initiated this ministry. I know Pastor Giles worked with them to get things going. They just do a fantastic job. And the reason that they started this ministry is that when they had a, a, a child with special needs, they discovered how difficult it was to find a place in a church. See, churches are great places filled with people who love Jesus, but we're just human beings. And sometimes when a kid is acting different than other kids acting out, you know, we have a tendency to go, man, where's his parents? <laughs> where's her parents? Why don't they get, you know, they, they, they discipline them? You know, and we, we think the way we do about uh, normal situations. But for them, that didn't work. That wasn't going to be enough because that doesn't fix the problem for them. And so they needed to, so, so they had a difficult time finding a, a way to go to church and to belong to a church. And so instead of getting angry and bitter and, you know, church is just uh, filled with mean people. No, they said, listen, we know the church loves us. They just don't know how to, uh, how to deal with this. And so why don't we help by trying to create something that makes it easier for other families who are trying to find their way into the church? 
And so they started this ministry. And I'm not sure how many kids uh, are up there on a weekly basis now. I think there was four to six, something like that. And there's a tremendous uh, amount of effort because they need to have a buddy who's the same person every week. Maybe God would call you out to be a buddy for a kid with special needs. We need more of them. But they get the opportunity to connect. They need that kind of stability and consistency. And then they're able to be here. And we want to make sure that they get the opportunity to hear about Jesus too. But uh, these guys are just a tremendous job to allow an area of difficulty and struggle for them to become a way that they can help others. And this year they came to me and said, hey, we want to start a life group. And I said, all right, I don't want you guys to get burned out. You're doing a lot. They said, no, we want to be in a life group. It's hard for us to go to another life group. So let's just make a life group for other families that are in the same situation we are. And so they did. And I think they got about six families signed up. I think they had about 35 people with kids and everything all in their home. And uh, she said, you know, they're they're like, it's a little crazy. But but, uh, we're able to help them connect and get um, a word from God and have a place where they can connect and have community. Guys, that's how it needs to work. We can all be a part of doing something like that. Can I just tell you, though I'm fairly new here, I'm going to encourage you with this. We need to do more of those kinds of things in our church. I know this church has a long history of doing ministry that way and and, um, offering opportunities to help others and connect with others, but we need more to happen here. So maybe God would call you out to start something or at least begin to move towards that. God wants to take our life message And have it be formed out of the difficulties we've been through. See, I really believe this firmly. That God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes the tears that we shed. The the pain and struggle that we go through. It's not without a reason. It's not without a purpose. It can become some of the most powerful things in our lives. When we allow God to use them. Well, the third thing that we want to look uh, look at today is. um, We're listening for the divine whisper. We're um, discovering our sacred shout, and then we want to embrace our holy disturbance. Embrace your holy disturbance. There is something that as we walk with God, typically there's something for each one of us that we get really frustrated at, that we see in the world around us, and we go, that shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening. Um, And that disturbance... That irritation, that frustration can move us to the place of getting off the bench and getting in the game and doing something about it because that's ultimately where we need to be. St. Francis Drake said this. He said, disturb us, O Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we dreamed too little, when we arrived safely because we sailed too closely to the shore. Sometimes we need to be willing to step out. We need to allow that disturbance about something. Whatever it might be, evil in the world, suffering that others are going through, the fact that the devil seems to be winning in this arena and we get frustrated with it. And instead of just being frustrated, we need to allow that disturbance to move us to action. That's what God did. God saw us as a human race, sinful, broken, disconnected from him. And he didn't just sit in heaven and go, Man, I'm sorry for those saps. You know, uh, they screwed up though. Uh, you know, they need to face the consequences of what they did. No, he moved to action. He sent Jesus, his son, to come to earth and to walk on this planet and to connect with us. And I know that it's easy to look at the world and the problems in the world and to be overwhelmed. Now we see uh, the news every day has problems happening other places. 
I watch the Scotts Bluff news and I see the things that are happening in Texas and California. I'm like, can we just stick to the, but you know, that's the way it is. We're, we're uh, connected to all these things and so can begin to feel like there's too many problems. It's overwhelming. I can't do anything about it. And so we just shut down. But the reality is, guys, that we can do better than nothing. We can do better than that. We can't do something. We can't solve all the world's problems and we're not asked to. But we can do something about the things that are right in front of us. I think a good place to start is to love the person in front of you. To care about the person in front of you. To reach out to the person in front of you. Here at Mitchell Berean, we have lots of opportunities to get involved. And I know that this idea of discovering a life mission and a life purpose and, and a ministry that we can do that God's called us to can be a little daunting and intimidating. Sometimes it's a little frustrating to discover what it is. So I want to encourage you with this, that a great place to start is just to begin to do something in the church that you attend. And you're here today, so I'm believing this is the church you attend. This is the place that you are. This is the place you belong to. And so can I just encourage you? There are opportunities to serve right here, to begin to get started doing something. We have a list in the bulletin. There's a, an insert that you got when you came in. If you didn't, grab them when you leave. But there's, there's different areas of ministry that we have here, places to get involved. Right now, there's an opportunity to go on a missions trip in a couple of weeks up to Montana. We have a ministry up there that we support. It's called Mentoring Timothy, and it's going to be a place for young men to develop and grow uh, from uh, and to develop some maturity and to learn what it looks like to be a man. And so we support that ministry, and uh, they need some help. Uh, they need some buildings framed up and a roof put on before winter hits. And listen, you could do a lot worse than going to Montana this time of year. It's pretty beautiful. I got to live up there for a little bit when I was in high school. But take a look at that as you leave today. Uh, pray over that list. Say, God, uh, where would be a spot maybe for me to look, to explore, get involved? All I'm talking about is sending an email, uh, making a phone call to one of those ministry leaders and just exploring it. You're not making a commitment. You're not signing up for anything, but you're just going, hey, tell me more about your ministry. What do you do? What are the opportunities to serve? Where do you have needs? Look for a place to get involved. Each one of us, the scripture says, has been fearfully and wonderfully made. The scriptures teach us that we're given gifts by the Spirit and that we need to use them because they're needed in our church. That you are a part of a body of Christ and your, your gifts and your personality and who you are are needed in that body so that it can function, it can be built up and be healthy and strong. And so can I just say, I know a lot of times there's the sense that, man, you don't know what I've done. I don't know that God could use me. Ah, I'm too old. I'm too young. Ah, you know, there's a list of things that come to our heads, and I believe that's really just the enemy trying to talk us out of taking a step of faith and not living in fear, but pressing in to see what God might want to do through each one of us. I know you're here for a reason. I know that there's a purpose behind your life and that God has work for you to do. And my prayer is that you would just not allow anything to stop you from pressing out, from looking, from exploring, so you can find your purpose, the unique expression of God to the world that you need to be living in your life. God, thank you so much for calling us to be in your family. 
And God, for each person here, I know that they've been through difficult times. They've walked through seasons of life that are painful and hard. We've all experienced failure. But God, I know that you want to use those things oftentimes to help others. And so I pray for an awareness and openness to what you want to do in each one of us and through our lives. God, may we discover and, and develop the ability to hear your voice and to discover those points where we have an opportunity to help others because of what we've been through so that we can move out to change things, to try to affect the world we live in for the better. God, I know you're going to use us to make a difference in this community and perhaps around the world. So Father, give us strength. I pray against a spirit of fear that oftentimes holds us back. That you would allow some release and a movement forward with an anticipation of what you want to do in us. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you believe about us and how you want to use us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.